not the small print of the gospel. This is not some hidden message in scripture. Jesus made it very clear that a decision to follow was a decision to die, to surrender everything to him. And so Jesus turns to the crowd and he turns to you and me and he asks the one question that will ultimately define our lives. Are you a fan or a follower? I heard a story a couple years ago. It really, really bothered me. Apparently, there was a uh, more traditional style of church where the people still dress up to, to go to church and, you know, all the guys have suits on and the women wear dresses. And there's nothing wrong with that type of thing. But apparently what had happened was this young girl decided that she wanted to come to church and she was really down and out and she didn't really have quote-unquote church clothes to wear. And so she shows up into the parking lot and she finally musters up enough courage to actually get out of the car and start walking through the parking lot into the church. But before she could even get into the doors, one of the church leaders stopped her and she said, young lady, we don't dress like that at our church. Now, if you want to go home and change clothes, then you can come back and worship God with us. Now, let me ask you a question this morning. Do you think that young girl actually came back No, of course she didn't. And again, that just really, really upset me when I heard that particular story. Apparently for those church leaders, they thought that following the rules was more important than helping people find a relationship with Jesus. And when I heard that story, it reminded me of a quote from Gandhi. Now, keep in mind, Gandhi is not a Christian. Gandhi was a Hindu. But he said this, and it's there on your outline if you want to follow along. And by the way, don't forget you can get out your smartphones there and you can follow along on the YouVersion app. Just download YouVersion and just look up the live events. You can follow along with everything that's happening on the screen. But Gandhi said this, I like your Christ. I do not like your Christians. Your Christians are so unlike your Christ. Here's another way to say it. I like your Jesus, but I don't like people that are just fans of Jesus. You know, the last couple of weeks, that's what we've been talking about here at ExponentialChurch.tv is what's the difference between being a fan of Jesus and being a follower of Jesus? And today's part five of that. And I want to talk to you about that following Jesus is more than just following the rules, because that's what a lot of people think that it is. That it's just simply all about rules. But listen to me. Jesus didn't say, attention, people, listen, listen, stop what you're doing. Attention. I have come so that you may follow a bunch of rules not what he said. Jesus actually said this in John 10.10. He said, I came so that everyone would have life and have it fully. That's why Jesus came, so that you could have life and have it fully. But let's be honest, haven't you noticed that there are some Christians, or maybe you're even one of them, that it doesn't seem like they're living life to the full? Doesn't it seem like for some Christians that they're just sort of burdened by Christianity? that they're frustrated, that they're weighed down by it? I'll tell you what the reason is. It's because they're following just rules. They're more concerned with following the rules than they are in having a relationship with Jesus. And see, that was the problem with the Pharisees in the, Old, or in the New Testament of the Bible. We talk about these guys a lot. They were the quote-unquote religious leaders of the day. 
And they were so concerned with, we've got to follow the rules, we've got to follow the rules, we've got to follow the rules, that they missed out on a relationship with God himself, that Jesus was right there. In fact, there's a story in John chapter 8 where this angry mob of Pharisees, they drag in this woman to Jesus. Jesus was teaching in the courtyard, and all of a sudden they bring this woman in, and she's covered in nothing more than a a bedsheet, basically. And they push her down to the ground. And they say this, if you want to follow along, in in John chapter 8, it begins in verse 4. They say, teacher, this woman was caught having sexual relations with a man who is not her husband. The law of Moses commands that we stone to death every woman who does this. What do you say we should do? Now, the reality is this. They could could not have cared less about this woman. Really, what they are trying to do here is they're trying to trap Jesus in his words. And see, that's what happens. When you become all about just simply following the rules, you become like this angry mob of Pharisees where they were so concerned with just following the rules that they, could care less, they couldn't care less about people. Now, in our day and time, we don't like parade people through the streets of downtown Harrisburg saying, look at this sinner. And we don't push people to the, the feet of a pastor or a priest and say, look, you, you need to point the finger at him. You need to condemn this person. But let's face it, all of us, and myself included, have at times talked about people behind their back. We, we gossip about, you know, the sin that somebody's caught in, or we point our finger at someone. And, and that's just simply not right, but that's what rules do. Rules get you so concerned about following the rules and, and being, you know, this perfect rule keeper. And we start to categorize people and we say, well, you know, well, there's rule keepers like me. And then there's rule breakers like you. And so we start pointing fingers. You know, we puff out our chest. Look at me. I'm nice and holy. And we point the fingers at all the bad people that are out there. But see, all that does is it just divides us. It it separates us. And it just becomes all about the, the rules. But what I want you to see this morning is that to be a follower of Jesus, it's got to be more than just simply following the rules. Now, don't get me wrong. God's word has a lot of good things to say. There are rules that you want to follow. There's guidance, there's wisdom that's found in this book. But if it's simply just about following rules, you're missing out on the relationship that God so desperately wants with you. Because here's what the Bible makes clear, that all of us have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, that there's none of us that are perfect. But see, when we come just about just rules, 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 and that's all it is with our relationship with God is just following the rules then we get in a really bad place because we start separating ourselves from the world and and people and and all of a sudden people don't feel as comfortable around us because they're like, well, they look like they've got it all together and so I can't share the the junk that's going on in my life. And all of a sudden the 58 one another's that are found in the New Testament that we're supposed to be doing with one another, we can't do those things. We've separated ourselves. And so again, it's got to be more than just the rules. When we start pointing our fingers, it puts us into the same category as the Pharisees. So if Christianity isn't just about rules, then what's it about? Well, again, it's about a relationship. So what I want to do today is I want to give you three reasons why it's got to be more than just simply rules. So if you're following along there in your notes, the first reason is this. Rules can be cumbersome. Rules can be very, very cumbersome uh, shout it out when you were in school or some of you are still are in school what, what were some rules you had to follow 
Go ahead. You, it's okay to talk back. You don't have to raise your hand, Justin. This isn't school. Shout it out. <laughs> Behave, right. What else? No talking. What else? Don't run. No chewing gum. How about at home? What were some rules you had to follow at home? What's wrong, Teresa? <laughs> Do you have no rules in your home? What's the Jake and Jordy, what are some rules that mom has for you? No hitting. Well, what the good is it having a brother if you're not allowed to hit him? I know, I know, I know. What do I know? I don't have kids. All right. Uh, your night to do the dishes. What, what other rules do you have? Saturdays are house cleaning. Yvonne has a lot of rules. All right. All right, so we, we have rules, and there's nothing wrong with rules. You need rules. But if you just keep stacking rule after rule after rule after rule on people, all it does is it weighs them down and it starts to burden them. And that's what the Pharisees were doing. You see, God gives us 613 commands in the New Testament that we're to follow. Or in the Old Testament, there were 613 commands that, that they were to follow. But what you need to understand, and we talked about this at Life Group the other night, a lot of the people in our group were saying, you know, we, we come from backgrounds where to them God and the church was simply about rules, 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 rules. And they said what's been refreshing about Exponential is that they're discovering that it's about a relationship with and a relationship with Jesus. And, and, you know, if it's just about rules, man, again, you're just going to get frustrated in your Christianity. You're going to end up a fan of Jesus rather than being a, a follower of Jesus. And one of the things I pointed out the other night was that those 613 commands in the Old Testament, they weren't given so that we could follow them perfectly. They were given so that we would understand how far short we do fall of God, that we need God in our lives. We need his forgiveness. We need him to be there for us. But see, the, the Pharisees, they didn't get that. To them, they were like, all right, we are going to follow every single rule to the letter of the law. And if you've ever read, especially through like the book of Leviticus, I mean, it's amazing all the rules that God gave them. I mean, there's things about what they can eat and what they can't eat. There's rules about, you know, what types of clothing you could wear and what types of fibers you could have in your clothes. Uh, women, if it was the time of the month, there's rules in here about, you know, what to do with that. There was rules about, you know, you don't have yeast in your home during the Passover feast. I mean, just rule, 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 rule. And the Pharisees, they're following all of it. But here's the problem. They are actually adding rules on top of the rules. Rules that God didn't even want them to have. And so all they're doing is they're just burdening people. They're burdening, burdening, burdening. And people are just wore out. They're like, how could we ever possibly have a relationship with God when it's just all these rules? So rules can be very, very cumbersome. And so they bring this woman to Jesus. She's broken some rules. I want you to put yourself into her sandals for a second. I mean, she's obviously been caught. She's ashamed. She's, she knows she's guilty. She knows that the, the punishment for her guilt is death. You were to be stoned to death if you were caught committing adultery. And now she's been thrown at the feet of Jesus. Jesus knows, though, that the Pharisees are just doing this. It's just, it's a trap. They, they don't care about this woman. They don't really care even what she did. They're just trying to find anything they can do so that they can discredit Jesus and hopefully even execute Jesus. 
And so this creates a, a real dilemma for Jesus because if he just looks at her and says, well, sorry, lady, rules are rules, you know, the Pharisees are going to be able to say, look at Jesus, he's a hypocrite. He keeps talking about love and forgiveness and stuff, but here he is condemning this woman for the sin that she's committed. If, on the other hand, Jesus says, no, we should let her go, then the Pharisees are going to be able to say, well, how can he be the son of God when he won't even follow what God's word says? So again, a real dilemma here. What's Jesus going to do? What would you do? Jesus decides to get down in the dirt and start doodling in the ground. I'm sure the disciples and the Pharisees are thinking, this is a weird time for Pictionary. I mean, what, what, what are you doing just scribbling in the, in the dirt there? Jesus starts actually writing. Now, we're not exactly sure what he wrote there. Scripture doesn't make it clear. But scholars have speculated that Jesus may have been actually writing out the sins of all the people that were there. Or maybe he was writing out the names of the women that the Pharisees had lusted after. But they don't get this at first. You know, he's just sort of doodling there in the ground. And we read then in John 8, 7 to 9. It says, when they kept on questioning him, he straightened up and said, let any one of you who is without sin be the first to throw a stone at her. Again, he stooped down and wrote on the ground. And at this, those who heard began to go away one at a time, the older ones first until only Jesus was left with the woman standing there. So now it's, it's just Jesus and the woman that are left. And you can imagine the, the look of love and compassion that Jesus has on his face. Verse 10, it says, Jesus straightened up and he asked her, Woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? And you know, she's got to be thinking, actually, there's one left here that could condemn me. Actually, the only one that has the right to condemn me. And it's you, Jesus. He, he knows that he has the right to do that. But he says, has no one condemned you? And so she takes a faith risk. And she says this in verse 11. No one, sir, she said. Then neither do I condemn you, Jesus declared. Go now and leave your life of sin. Jesus shows her grace. Grace simply means this. Grace is getting something that you don't deserve. Did she deserve Jesus' love? Did she deserve Jesus' compassion? Did she deserve Jesus' forgiveness? No, she didn't. She had broken the law. She had broken the rules. But yet Jesus freely gave her grace and forgiveness, gave her something she just simply did not deserve. And that leads us to the second thing here this morning, if you're taking notes, that rules don't inspire grace. Rules don't inspire grace. Kai Eidemann, the author of the Not a Fan book, which is what we're basing this series off of, he has a great story that he talks about that when he was in high school, he went to a Christian school. In his senior year, he's in a chemistry class, and the chemistry teacher wanted to teach the kids about grace. And so there had been this test that they had been preparing for all year long. And as the, the teacher gave it to him, and they knew this was going to be a really, really hard test, as he gave it to him, he said, look, before you take the test, you need to read every single question. Kyle said he got the test and he started reading through all the questions. He's like, oh, man, I should have studied harder. But he got to the last question and he looked at a note that was at the very bottom. And it was a note from the teacher that said this. Either you can take the test and try to get an A or you can turn it back over to the front page, put your name at the top 
and walk up front, turn it in, and I'll automatically give you an A. You don't even have to take the test. Kyle said he turned it back over, he put his name on it, he walked up front, handed it in, and he walked out of the class. Easiest A he had ever gotten. That's grace. He was given something that he didn't deserve. Now, later on, he found out that there were two students that did not get A's on the test. One was a guy by the name of Patrick. Patrick didn't follow the instructions. He just started taking the test. He got to the end. Imagine his surprise when he sees that he could have gotten an A. Kyle said that would probably have been the only A Patrick ever got in his life. He should have followed the rules. Another person that didn't get an A was a girl by the name of Michaela. Michaela read through everything, and she saw that she could be given an A, an automatic A, but she didn't think that that was fair. Why would the teacher just automatically give away A's to everyone? She was a very smart student. She had studied hard, and she didn't think it was fair that these other dumb people were going to get an A when they didn't deserve it. And so she tried to take the test herself, and she didn't get an A. Now, two things we can learn from that. Number one, don't be like Patrick. God does give us rules. God does give us some laws, some guidelines, but they're there for your protection. They're there because God loves you. He doesn't give you any rules that aren't for your good. And so when you read in the Bible, do this or don't do that, it's not because God's like this big grumpy guy in the sky that doesn't want you to have any fun. It's there to protect you. In the same way that parents, you tell your kids, you know, when they're like two years old, don't play out in the street. And, you know, the kids are like, Mom, I want to play in the street. Dad, you're no fun. I want to play in the street. Why do you tell them not to play in the street? Because it's dangerous for them. It wouldn't be healthy for them to be there. And God's the exact same way. He says, look, there are some rules, there's some guidelines, there's some boundaries that I'm giving you that are there for your protection. So don't be like Patrick. Read the instruction manual for life. Follow it. But then also don't be like Michaela. Don't get to the point where you think that Christianity and following Jesus is all about just simply following the rules. And that as long as I'm following the rules, I must be okay. Because see, again, the the Bible makes it clear that if you're trying to get to God and have a relationship with Jesus based on how good you are, that you're going to fall woefully short. Again, the Bible makes it clear that we have all sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And I've shared this before, that even just one sin in your life ever disqualifies you from heaven. Let me say that again. If you have ever sinned, even just one time in your life, you do not deserve heaven. You deserve eternal punishment in a very real place called hell. Just one sin. So that's the good news of what Christianity is about, is that God himself did for you what you can't do, and that is to live a perfect and sinless life. Jesus, God in the flesh, came, he lived, he died, he rose again so that your sins could be forgiven. That's grace. He says, I will forgive you of all of your sins. Not because you deserve it, but because I'm giving you grace. I'm giving you something that you just simply don't deserve. Rules don't inspire grace. Rules just bring a burden Rules bring legalism. There are many of you that you live in constant fear of God and you live in constant fear of hell because you think it's all about how good you can be. 
Again, you can never, ever possibly be good enough. Now you're saying, well, didn't you say we should follow the rules? And the answer is yes, you should follow the rules. But here's the reason that you follow God's word. Not because you're trying to be saved. You follow the rules because you are saved. You follow the rules because you're grateful for all that Jesus has done for you. And you say, look, you gave your life for me and now I'm going to give my life back to you. So it can't be just about rules or it becomes a burden. And again, if you'll discover his grace, then you'll be inspired to follow his commands. Not because you have to, but because you want to. Number three then. Rules don't keep us around. You're like, Gilbert, what exactly do you mean by that? Well, I want you to watch Kyle Eidelman. He's going to explain a little bit more, and then I'll explain it as well. Watch this. It's not unusual for me to talk to Christian parents who are upset, concerned, because maybe a college-age child or an adult child is no longer following Jesus. And the parents usually want to know what happened. They want to know what went wrong. That's a hard question to answer. There's a lot of different possibilities. But I I do my best just to listen to the story, to encourage them, and to pray for their child. But not long ago, I was uh, speaking in Houston, Texas. And after I was done speaking, this big man with this big belt buckle came up to me. But he had, uh, had tears in his eyes. And he began to tell me the story of his prodigal daughter who had left home and had walked away from her faith, was no longer following Jesus. But he didn't ask me what happened. He didn't seem to be looking for an explanation. In fact, with one sentence, he told me what he thought went wrong. He said, we raised her in church, but we didn't raise her in Christ. Do you ever go to the doctor and get an inoculation? They give you a little bit of a virus to try and make you immune to the real thing. I think that's what's happened to a lot of fans. They got a little bit of Jesus. Maybe at home, maybe at school, at church, a little bit of Jesus and a whole lot of rules. Maybe a little bit of Jesus and a whole lot of tradition. But one of the most deadly things that can happen to your faith is to have just a little bit of Jesus. We raised her in church, but we didn't raise her in Christ. You know, throughout this series, we've been talking about that we all have to have the DTR, the define the relationship talk with Jesus. And this is a part of it. You've got to get to the point where you ask yourself, is it just about the rules? Or am I really in a relationship with Christ? Am I just a fan Or am I just a follower? You know, if you make the mistake like these parents did there, that, you know, we raised her in church, but we didn't raise her in Christ. If you do that, I guarantee what will happen is eventually you'll get so burdened down by the weight of the rules that you'll walk away from church first. And then eventually you'll walk away from Jesus. See, rules don't keep us around. I'll never forget my previous church that I was at. It was a big church, and 
the worship experiences that I was actually preaching in, we had two identical worship experiences on Sunday mornings. And at the end of each of them, we'd have what we called a guest reception. And it was basically just this separate room where guests could come in and we had like snacks set up for them and people could come up and, and get to know me and any of the other staff that would happen to, to come by. And again, it was a big church, so literally every week we'd have at least a dozen first-time guests, if not more, that would come up and they would be there and they'd be eating their snacks and sort of mingling amongst each other and they'd sort of get in a line and they'd come up and introduce themselves to me. And it wasn't, you know, unfrequent that people, when they would meet me, they would just break down, they would start crying and, you know, God had so touched their lives in the experience and they just wanted to uh, show, you know, their appreciation for what they had heard and stuff. And I'll never forget there was this one couple, I was actually talking to somebody else and I noticed that they were sort of next in line and they're just like crying uncontrollably. And I'm like wondering what in the world is going on here. And so finally it's their turn and they come up and I introduced myself to them and I said, tell me your story. What, what's going on? And they're like, we just prayed. We asked Jesus to forgive us of our sins and, and be the leader of our lives like you talked about. And I was like, oh man, that's great. And, and you know, I could tell though that there was more to the tears than these weren't just tears of joy. There was some other thing going on. And I said, tell me what, what, what's your story here? And they're like, crying uncontrollably and they're like we're living together and i was like all right and you know that was sort of common amongst the the crowd that we were reaching there There there's many couples that you know they weren't married and they were shacking up together and you know i said look what we just talked about is that jesus wants to forgive you of all of your sins including that i was like yeah that's not god's best for you but you know you now have a fresh start and we can help you and they're like no you don't understand we're married well, now I didn't understand. You know, I'm thinking about what in the world, why are they concerned if they're married that they're living together? And then it dawned on me. They were married, all right, just not to each other. So here was this couple that were in the midst of an affair. They're now living together. They show up to church. And they've just heard a message about how God wants to forgive you. Now I had a choice to make. Was I going to make it all about the rules? Or was I going to make it all about grace? And so I started talking to him and I said, look, again, God will forgive you of anything. But obviously he's got a much better plan for you than what you're on right now. But that doesn't mean that God doesn't love you. It doesn't mean that I don't love you. I want to help you with this. See, I could have made it all about the rules, but rules don't keep us around. If I'd have just come down hard on them right then and there, guess what they'd have done? They'd have turned right around, walked out, never come back. But I was like, no, we've got to show them some grace here. And so I set up a time for them to get together with me, and they became not just fans of Jesus. I mean, these two sold out to Jesus. And within a matter of weeks, they weren't living together. Within a matter of months, they stopped seeing each other romantically. Long story short, ultimately, one reconciled with their spouse. The other one, the spouse, and and rightfully so, the Bible says that if adultery is involved, that you have the right to a, a divorce. The other one ended up getting a divorce. But the last I heard, he was now dating a Christian girl. And again, last I heard, they had plans to actually get married. And this time he was going to do things right. See the the big difference there between rules and grace? If I'd have just dumped the rules on them right from day one, they would have run. 
and they would continue to live in that life of sin. But I showed some grace, and God showed them grace. And ultimately, when you become a true follower of Jesus, again, it's not that you obey the rules because you have to. You start to obey the rules because you want to. And that's what happened with this couple. They so fell in love with Jesus that they were like, we need to be obedient to his word, not because we have to, but because we want to. See, fans, the rules are, we have to, and it just weighs you down, it burdens you. But Jesus said, look, I've come that you may have life and have it to the full. In another place, he says this, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. You know what a yoke is? It's a piece of farming equipment. You you put it over the, the necks of two like animals, you know, like two oxen, and they work together. So wherever one goes, the other goes. And Jesus says, take my yoke upon you. Be connected to me. Follow me. Because my yoke is easy and the burden is light because I'll pull the weight behind. You know, when you put those oxen together to to pull the cart or to pull the plow, that's work. But Jesus is saying, look, I'll do the work because you'll have the power of my spirit living inside of you. And so all of us have a decision to make this morning. What are we going to do? You know, for this, this woman that was caught in adultery, Jesus showed her grace. He said, look, I don't condemn you. But then he said, what? Now go and leave your life of sin. See, it is connected. Following and, 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 and the rules are connected. But let me say it to you this way. Following the rules very rarely will lead you into a relationship with Jesus. But if you'll start with a relationship with Jesus, then the rules will come along. So if you're struggling in your Christianity here this morning, and you're feeling like it's just a weight and it's a burden, fall in love with Jesus Get in this book every single day. Read through the book of John and then read 1 John, 2 John, 3 John. It's all about the love of God. Fall in love with this God who so, so loves you. And again, the rules will then come. Christianity is more than rules. So my prayer this morning is that you'll get to the place where you'll follow God's word, not because you have to, but because you want to. Let's pray. Father God, thank you for this day. Thank you for the opportunity to gather together to worship you and to learn from your word. And God, we know that the Bible is intimidating so often to to many people because it's such a a big book and it looks like a lot of things that I got to do or or not do. But Lord, help us to realize that it's not just a rule book. It's actually a love letter, your love letter to us. And so Lord, I, I pray that this morning, we would fall in love with you. We would realize that we need your grace, that we can't be perfect. In fact, with every head bowed, every eye closed here this morning, if you have never prayed and asked Jesus to forgive you of your sins and to be the leader of your life, the Bible says that today is the day of salvation. Again, here's another way to put it. Do you know for certain that if you were to die today that you would go to heaven, or is that something that you're not quite sure about? 
See, because the Bible says that you can know beyond a shadow of a doubt that you're forgiven and that when you die, you'll, you'll go to heaven. That if you were to die on your way home today, that you would immediately be ushered into the presence of God and spend eternity with him. But the only way that can happen isn't because of anything you can do. Because again, you can never be good enough. You have not been perfect. The only way you can make it to heaven is to say, Jesus, forgive me of my sins. Forgive me. Cleanse me. Make me whole. Give me a new start. Help me to begin that relationship with you. And again, if you'll start there, then the other aspect of it, the repentance side, that is turning from your sins, that will come along naturally because you're so in love with him that you want to do anything you can to obey him and be with him. So again, if you're here this morning, you've never prayed and asked Jesus to forgive you of your sins, to be the leader of your life, and you want to know beyond a shadow of a doubt that if you were to die today, that you would go to heaven. That's you. Would you just raise your hand up nice and high so I can see it? I'll acknowledge it. Then you can put it right back down. Anyone here this morning, Jesus, forgive me of my sins. Come into my life. Be the leader of my life. I want to know beyond a shadow of a doubt that I'll spend eternity with you. Again, the Bible says that today is the day of salvation. That if you hear his voice speaking to you, that you should cry out to him. Anyone here this morning? Quickly, quickly, anyone. All right, I don't see any hands, <clears throat> excuse me, this morning. Lord, I, I pray that <clears throat> even though I didn't see any hands, if there is anybody here this morning that needs a beginning relationship with you, that Lord, right there in their seat, they would know that <clears throat> all they need to do is cry out to you, that your word says if we confess our sins to you, that you're faithful and just to forgive us of our sins, to cleanse us from all of our unrighteousness. Lord, that they would turn from their sins, repent, and obey. Lord, for all of us here this morning, whether uh, we're Christian or not, I pray that we would see that Christianity is about more than just rules. It's about a relationship with you. And that we would fall more and more and more in love with you each and every day of our lives. Lord, help us to realize that that means uh, we've got to communicate with you. We need to talk to you through prayer, and we need you to communicate to us through your word. So help us to, to get in your word each and every day, not just when we feel like it, but God, to, to do it all the time, to develop that, that relationship. Lord, thank you for what you're doing here. Thank you for three years now that we've been meeting together as a church and all the incredible things that you've done, the, the hundreds of people that have given their lives to you, the, the dozens of people that have been baptized, the tens and tens of thousands of dollars that we've been able to give away to people to uh, help in this Harrisburg community and help people all around the world. God, thank you for the stories of life change that we hear constantly. Lord, use us, not just for three more years, not just for even 30 more years, but God, use us to leave a legacy here in Harrisburg that 300 years from now, ExponentialChurch.tv would still be going on if you are not haven't returned yet. And that, Lord, people would be able to look back on this group of people and say that those were the people that were so sold out to Jesus. They weren't just fans of Jesus. They were followers of Jesus. And look at the legacy that they left 300 years later. God, thank you that you want to use simple people like us 
to make an incredible difference for you. Lord, help us not to grow weary in well-doing, but to seek you with all of our heart, with all of our soul, all of our mind, all of our strength, and go out and make a huge and eternal impact for you. Thank you for doing that, Jesus. It's in your name we pray. Amen.